This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. So we did that interview yesterday, episode 55 with Magdalene Rose. If you haven't listened to it, check it out, folks. But right now, a lot of people are listening. I think it was a great interview. Uh, I got a little outside my comfort zone. Uh, I haven't talked uh, politics, haven't talked the old political shop in quite a while. So uh, that was quite interesting. But a lot of great nuggets there. Uh, We've got our work cut out for us if we want to start trying to wake up the youth folks, our kids and grandkids, because she has her ear to the ground. Her specialty is not technocratic transhumanism, but she knows what's important to the young folks out there, especially young conservatives, and this stuff isn't even on their radar. But we know that they are concerned about what their jobs are going to be, if they're going to be able to afford to buy a home and property, or they're going to be able to afford to pay rent, uh, student debt, all of this stuff is an issue. So for me, if we were talking about artificial intelligence and robots coming to replace humanity in the workforce, um, not necessarily even getting into the transhumanist side of things, the merger of man and machine, that may get their attention. Now, the transhumanist agenda, I think, would wake up the pro-lifers. Uh, if you want to talk about anti-life, anti-humanity, you have to talk about transhumanism, which is the engineering of humanity out of existence. So uh, I recommend sharing that podcast with younger friends of yours, younger family members, 
All right, because you can tell them they are listening to a 22-year-old who is very well-spoken, very well-rounded, has knowledge of a lot of subjects, a lot of things that are going on today, both in the political and pop culture circles, of which, at 41, I felt old. I wasn't aware of a lot of that stuff. So uh, check that out. Thank you again to everyone who's left a five-star review and comment over at Apple Podcasts. That's really helping us. If you haven't done that, please do so. It'll just take you a couple of minutes, and it does help us in the rankings over there and to everyone who's joined pain.tv slash gold to get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast and the thomas Payne podcast and access to the facebook like app that uh is a community of like-minded folks who you can share intelligence with and go and speak to when you're feeling like you are an outsider in the real world while everyone else around you is locked into the uh, matrix prison planet surrounding us so definitely check that out all right folks we're going to do uh several things tonight we're getting back into mk ultra and mk ultra's ties into the uh, modern programs that are going on today, the DARPA Brain Initiative, the Military Cyborg Soldier 2050, and uh, some of the psychedelic programs that are being worked on right now. So we're going to work our way back over that, uh, over to that. But first, I want to just play a uh, short two-minute clip for you, something I pulled up from the old archives. I think this came from Dinesh D'Souza's uh, site to give him credit uh, for putting the uh, transcription on the screen along with this video but the other day i had mentioned to you uh that sydney gottlieb who we found out uh was in fact jewish and whose family could have been um forced into ghettos in nazi germany eventually into concentration camps and into experiments uh, much like that that Sidney Gottlieb ended up running on behalf of the state, on behalf of the CIA. And so I had mentioned George Soros and a clip of him from 60 Minutes with Steve Croft from many years ago talking about how he had no remorse for what he did as a Jew uh, during the war and so i want to play that for you i'm sure many of you have heard it but sometimes it's always good to get a refresher on these things put things into context remember all of the stuff that has been unveiled and uh, george soros was a big 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 player in politics over the last 20 years in this country and so i don't really know if he's being talked about now i don't know if people even discuss politics in the way they used to but let me show you the type of person that george soros is and this is the thing that i talk about where i just don't understand how yuval noah harari george soros henry kissinger Sidney gottlieb uh, a lot of the doctors and scientists we see working on technocracy and transhumanism Uh, that come from a Jewish background could be involved with the same Frankenstein technology, the same tyranny, the same engineering of humans out of existence that the Nazis were involved with. It it just baffles my mind, folks. So let me play this clip for you. You're a Hungarian Jew Mm -hmm. who escaped the Holocaust Mm -hmm. 
by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's Okay, so just pay careful attention to this, folks. Careful attention, because it's just, uh, frankly, frankly hard to believe, but you have to try to put yourself into the shoes of a 14-year-old boy whose father set him up with a protector, and he posed as a Christian. And so his job was to go around and point out other Jews to help the Nazis confiscate their property and send them off to camps. Uh, But it's not about what he experienced when he was 14. It's about the fact that in this interview, he's in his 60s. He's a multi-billionaire. At this time, he was known to help crash certain economies around the world and basically go in and steal money and at this time he's involved with very leftist um, policies he sets up an organization called open societies and he's meddling in politics not just in the united states but all over the world and so you would imagine it at this age he would change his story And he would say, oh, yes, I felt remorse. It was horrible. It was the worst time of my life. But he actually says this is what helped him build character. Now, you're going to see, I mean, just in my opinion, you're listening to a psychopath. All right, let's continue here. With this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child you don't, you don't see the connection, uh, but it, was, it created no, no problem at all. No feeling of guilt? No. For example? No feeling of guilt, no. And like I said, it's not necessarily, I mean, there's things that happen to you in your childhood, and when people ask you, as an adult, you may say, well, it's kind of, I didn't realize what I was doing as a kid, but now, oh my God, I was a horrible, terrible person. I can't believe I did that. Or you might be so ashamed of something you did that you're not going to tell the truth, but yet, let's pretend he's telling the truth let's take him at his word he is saying that he had no remorse uh for being involved with that let's continue uh, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all no feeling of guilt no for example that uh, i'm jewish uh, and here i am watching these people go i could just as easily be there i should be there none of that 
Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. In other words, the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator, the property was being taken away. So the, I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Okay, so what he's saying is, if I wasn't there um pointing out these people to have their property taken from them and for them to be forced into camps or into ghettos someone else would have been there doing it it would have been done anyway so therefore i don't have any remorse right he said i could be on the other side i could be the one having the property taken from me uh, by someone else who would be in my shoes pointing out me uh, you know to the nazis and so if it was going to happen anyway i don't feel bad about it and then he compares it to markets which is the business he's in and so he justifies collapsing nations stealing money stealing wealth because if he's not doing it someone else is going to do it right so that's like jeffrey dahmer sitting there talking to the police and they say, do you feel any remorse for luring that young Filipino boy to your house, drugging him, smashing him over the head with a hammer, um, then tying him up, doing whatever it is you're going to do to him, and then killing him, and then eventually chopping up his body, refrigerating parts of his dismembered body, and then eventually cooking those parts and eating them. Do you feel any remorse for that? And Jeffrey Dahmer says, well, I mean, if I didn't chop them up and eat it, someone else was going to do it. So no, I don't feel any remorse. I mean, this kind of stuff is crazy, but I bring this up because when we look at the people like Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, Right. When we try to put ourselves into their mindset to try to understand how someone employed by the CIA, talking to the highest levels of the CIA, authorized at the highest levels of the CIA, right, which which answers directly to the executive branch. So you have Alan Dulles at the time, director of the CIA, who Gottlieb um, was answering to, as well as Richard Helms, who later became the CIA director. You'd say to yourself, how does someone spread around psychedelics with the purpose, with the purpose of testing their ability to blow out people's minds, uh, to blast their mind away, as it was said, and then replace that mind with a new mind? How do you do that? How do you set up bogus foundations and spread this? psychedelic around through universities uh prisons 
uh, institutions and such and do this to people who are unwitting in your experiments? How do you set up secret torture camps in Europe and East Asia under the guidance of the CIA and torture people to death utilizing LSD, other drugs, torture techniques, and and try to mind control people. I mean, is your mentality that if I don't do it, someone else will? If I'm not doing it, the Nazis will. Well, we already defeated the Nazis, supposedly. Then we hired them and the Japanese torturers to come back to the United States to train Sidney Gottlieb and his cohorts. So how does someone get into that mindset that what they're doing is okay and how do they end up at these highest levels of government folks and how do these people uh, who have jewish ancestry uh, end up in a position doing exactly what their captors the nazis were accused of doing Yet, then they have the Nazis train them and utilize these same techniques. And so Soros, uh, not like Gottlieb, not running MK Ultra, but Soros right there says that watching these Nazis take away and confiscate the property of the Jews and send them off to camps helped build his character. And then later says it's just like the markets, meaning he learned from them. So he adopted the techniques of his captors and then deployed them into the world to go steal wealth, to steal people's property, to confiscate their belongings through markets. Uh, But he just sees it as, well, if I don't do it, someone else will. And I wonder if Sidney Gottlieb feels the same way or felt the same way. If I don't do it, someone else will. When we get back, another quick story on another psychopath that I know you know a lot about, but I have to highlight before we move back to MK Ultra, Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, folks, this is the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I've got to get into a quick little story for you. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, so I don't, I'm not going to give you all of the details because it's a, uh, a personal story, but my ear is always to the ground. And so we have a friend of ours who has uh, two children, 13 and 10. And so this person, uh, this woman, had her children vaccinated. And um, I didn't really know her at the time or I would have tried to talk her out of it, but she did this. She's not a vicious person or a horrible person. She's actually a very nice person. And so uh, her older daughter, who is 13, has uh, asthma. And so the doctor really pressured, really pressured her to get her vaccinated and said it was going to help her, you know, be able to avoid COVID and COVID could kill her because of the asthma. And so uh, dad isn't really around. So anyway, 
she gets vaccinated. Well, we find out the other day that two weeks later, this girl was diagnosed with um, a rare heart disease that actually could lead to myocarditis. And I'm not going to mention the details here because it's kind of personal. But um, yeah, she ends up with this heart condition now for the rest of her life. It's not something that can be treated and it can lead to myocarditis. And so um, this is very sad. Anyway, this woman completely regrets this. She can't believe it happened. She confided in us because she knows that we are not uh, vaccinated and kind of was looking for some hope, but I don't know what hope you can give people when this stuff happens. Anyway, it, it just brought up, because th- this is not the first person in our personal life that I've seen this happen to. I have several uh, older friends of mine who got vaccinated and then within a matter of a month or two ended up with cancer. Um, or they had cancer that had gone into remission years earlier and the cancer came back. And so who knows, folks? I mean, we're, we're paying attention. We're all on hyper alert here. Uh, at the same time, I believe Maria Albanese has shared her story publicly on the Thomas Paine podcast. Her father got vaccinated. A week later, ends up with rashes all over his body. A few months later, ends up having a stroke. They're still working through that, trying to figure out the problem. You know, no one in her family did it that listened, that listened to Maria. Her father is this stubborn, uh, you know, philly italian and he just went and did it now he didn't get a second one but anyway he's got problems and so many of you have written me about people you know that have problems since they've gotten jab we see stories all over the place but when it's in your personal life then you know that it's true it's not just some propaganda being spread around on social media Uh, my father lives in a 55 and over retirement community many of the people around him uh, that got vaccinated started dropping dead uh, pretty much one after the other. So we're hearing these stories uh, in our personal lives. And I just want to show something. I'm sure many of you have heard this, have seen this before. But I think right now, because I don't spend a lot of time on COVID land, the high school theater production, other than connecting it to the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And eventually I will get into uh, connecting it into nanoparticles and nanobots and what I think, uh, just my opinion, what could have been in the jabs. And remember, I've said on this show, there were nine different variations, nine different uh, companies that had created jabs. But we don't really know what's in those vials. I, I mean, you can read the ingredients on the vial, but at the end of the day, you can have something called the Moderna mRNA vaccine and have 10 vials and one could be rat poison one could be saline solution one could be nanobots one could be a stem cell that Dr. Charles Morgan III developed that's designed to give you cancer you know one could be LSD I mean who who really knows what's in them do you trust 
this stuff, when you buy stuff at the grocery store and you look at the ingredients, do you truly trust that those ingredients are accurate? What? Because the government creates a law through the FDA that says you have to put a label on the side of the box with the ingredients in it. You do understand that we could make tomato sauce right now and sell it at a farm stand and I could put two cups of sugar in every jar of tomato sauce but on the side I could just say I put a spoonful of sugar. I mean no one really knows. We're not testing everything individually but I think it's important because the more that I'm hearing these stories in my personal life the more friends uh, of ours that got vaccinated that have gotten really sick with supposedly COVID, right, since they were jabbed, since they were boosted, the more this stuff becomes relevant. And so I want to play a clip um, of Bill Gates from 2010 from TED Talks. And just hang with me, even if you've heard it before, because it never hurts to look at things through a new lens. We have a lot more information now. So a lot of this stuff can be better understood because we can put it into context with all of the new intelligence we have. And so I'm going to start the clip at the beginning of his TED Talks lecture. And I'm going to play it through five minutes. I'm not going to uh, uh, analyze the entire thing, but I do have to stop like every 30 seconds uh, just so we don't get a copyright strike on this. But I've got to play this and I want to show it in context because you need to understand exactly what Bill Gates said. And then I'm going to show you a fact checker like PolitiFact and how they run cover for Bill Gates. And this this thing has been out there really since the beginning of COVID land and the vaccine. A lot of people use this because Bill Gates was obviously instrumental in pushing forward the mRNA vaccines. But let's play this and then listen to his words and figure out if maybe uh, what he was talking about in 2010 is what we are seeing happen today with athletes dropping dead with all of these personal anecdotal stories that we have of people in our personal lives that are getting sick or are dying shortly after getting the vaccine. And remember, they could uh, have something in the vaccine that's designed to you know, kill people over one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. And look, these guys talk openly about depopulation. So it's not like we're conspiracy theorists when we are just trying to understand what they're doing. It's like when they go out there and say they're going to replace us with artificial intelligence and robots, and then if you talk about their plan to replace us with artificial intelligence and robots, you get called a conspiracy theorist. How am I a conspiracy theorist? I'm just analyzing their own words. So you will see shortly how the fact checkers try to run cover for Bill Gates, and this ties into... Uh, MK Ultra and journalist Stephen Kinzer, and how I said that he's running cover uh, for the government as well. I spent a whole episode breaking down that podcast, which we're going to get back to and finish that up shortly. But let's play this Bill Gates clip uh, as we think about all of the people we know now that are getting sick from supposedly COVID, people that are getting cancer, heart issues and everything else folks and i will just throw this out there too this is another personal story but a relative of mine sweet girl gets talked into getting the vaccine while she's pregnant 
her baby is born with a rare disease that only like one in a hundred thousand kids had prior to this vaccine occurring so again these are anecdotal stories they're real we will never have the actual research (laughs) that ties all this in it's not like the government is necessarily going to come out and admit this Uh, and you can't sue these guys i mean People should have did their research before all this occurred. All right, let's play this clip of Bill Gates before uh, I start crying over here like Glenn Beck. All right, here we go, folks. Today about energy and climate. And that might seem a bit surprising because my full-time work at the foundation is mostly about vaccines and seeds, about the things that we need to invent and deliver to help the poorest two billion live better lives. Yeah, vaccines and seeds. The two things they need to help the poorest two billion live better lives. Or the seeds that you take away so that we can't grow our own food and that you control the food supply and the vaccines that you're going to use to make people sick and kill them. I don't know. That's just my opinion, folks. Let's continue. But energy and climate are extremely important to these people. In fact, more important than to anyone else on the planet. The climate getting worse means that many years their crops won't grow. There'll be too much rain, not enough rain. Uh, Things will change in ways that their fragile environment simply can't support. And that leads to starvation. It leads to uncertainty. It leads to unrest. Uh, So the, the climate changes will be terrible for them. Also, the price of energy is very important to them. In fact, if you could pick just one thing to lower the price of to reduce poverty, by far you would pick energy. Now the price of energy has come down over time. Uh, Really uh, advanced civilization uh, is based on advances in in energy. The coal revolution fueled the industrial revolution and even in the 1900s we've seen a very rapid decline in the price of electricity. And that's why we have refrigerators, air conditioning. We can make uh, modern materials and do so many things. Okay, and now uh, this is important, and and there's a reason why I'm playing this. We're not doing a show on climate change right now. But I'm playing the first couple minutes before it gets to the part that I want you to hear. Because what happens is the fact checkers will come out and say that this clip was played out of context. And the clip has never been played out of context. They didn't show what happened before and after the clip. So I'm going to show you that. And then show you that the clip that we want to reference is a standalone. So if you cut it and you play it for people, it is in context. There is nothing that changes the meaning of this quote that happened before or after the quote took place. So I have to play this so that from now on, when you reference this quote to people, And they say, that's taken out of context. The facts checker said that's not true. No, it is true because the dust and gold standard played the couple minutes before and the couple minutes after. And there is nothing that occurred before or after that changed the meaning of what this psychopath, Kermit the Frog puppet, Bill Gates said. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to uh, run a short commercial break here. I'm Bill Gates with the Dusting Gold Standard, and you're listening to Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Gates, and we are back from the break. This is the Dusting Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold. Line up for one of my new jabs. They're fantastic. (laughs) All right, folks. Oh, my God, Bill Gates, one of the worst enemies of our time, ladies and gentlemen. What a freak this guy is. All right, let me jump right back into this, folks. And so we're in a wonderful situation with uh, electricity in the rich world. But as we make it cheaper, and let's say, let's go for making it uh, twice as cheap, we need to meet a new constraint. And that constraint has to do with CO2. Okay, so up on the screen now, he has a slide. And it's a CO2 temperature increase negative effects. He'll explain it. CO2 is warming the planet. And the equation on CO2 is actually a, a very straightforward one. If you sum up the CO2 that gets emitted, that leads to a temperature increase. And that temperature increase leads to some very negative effects. The effects on the weather... Uh, Perhaps worse, the indirect effects in that uh, the natural ecosystems can't adjust to these rapid changes, and so you get ecosystem collapses. Now, the exact amount of how you map from a a certain increase of CO2 to what temperature will be and where the positive feedbacks are, there's some uncertainty there, but not very much. Okay, now, the other thing is, let me just throw this in there. Again, this isn't a show on climate change. I'm not going to debate that. But uh, I just want to make, make a point that the technologists, the technocrats, the industrialists who created everything he's talking about that leads to, let's say, their climate change or, uh, you know, this, this new tool they're just going to use to stranglehold the planet – you know, they've been talking about this for years. This goes back to 2010. But they created all these problems, right? Let's say climate change was real. Let's say pollution was real and it was changing the climate. They created all the problems. They're the ones who created all this stuff. Not me, not you. We get blamed for it. As I've said before, if you go into the grocery store and you want to buy bottled water, it's generally plastic bottles. They created the plastic. They created the bottles. They put the water in the bottles. They wrap it with plastic and they sell it to you. And then they call you a polluter for buying it. And they try to blame you for climate change when they are the ones who created it. They created gasoline. They created the gas engine. They sold you the gas cars. They're creating the electric cars that create pollution, that charge off of electricity that's powered by burning coal. So they created the system. And so then they tell you the solutions to the problems that they created are, in fact, more problems that they are going to create. It's just a problem-reaction-solution loop 
That's all it is. I just want to throw that in there because this guy just ticks me off, folks. All right, let's continue. And there's certainly uncertainty about how bad those effects will be, but they will be extremely bad. I asked the top scientists on this several times, do we really have to get down to near zero? Can't we just you know, cut it in half or a quarter? And the answer is that until we get near to zero, the temperature will continue to rise. Okay, and up on the screen is a graphic, Innovating to Zero, and that's the name of this speech. Innovating to Zero. So he wants to get CO2 to zero. All right, let's continue. And so that's, that's a big challenge. It's very different than saying, you know, we're a 12-foot high truck trying to get under a 10-foot bridge, and we can just sort of squeeze under. This is something that has to get to zero. Now, we put out a lot of carbon dioxide every year. Uh, over 26 billion tons. Uh, for each American, it's about 20 tons. Uh, for people in poor countries, it's less than one ton. It's an average about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. Okay, so up on the screen, it says CO2 equals P, people, times S, services per person, times E, energy per service, times C, CO2 per unit of energy. And so I've told you before that uh, whatever their dream scenario is, let's say what they want to get to by 2030 or what they want to get to by 2050, whether they are going to engineer a large portion of society out of existence, whether they're going to turn the others into human batteries or DNA storage uh, storage drives or some kind of you know human filters that we breathe in oxygen and emit uh, carbon dioxide, whatever that is going to look like, they already have the formulas. They know how many trees, how many people, whatever they need to keep this ecosystem going so that they can live in it uh, if they stay in human form and they're not mind uploaded into some sort of, you know, Iron Man exoskeleton suit or whatever. So it's this type of stuff when you look at Bill Gates putting a formula up on screen or you look at Yuval Noah Harari putting a formula up on screen with how they're going to biohack people, how they get to the point in which they can call us hackable animals because they have the formulas on how to hack us. It's this stuff where I say they're publishing their plans. They're not hiding them. They're out on the stage literally telling you what they're going to do. So Bill Gates is up there with a formula telling you how he's going to bring CO2 down to zero. All right, let me just roll that back. I'm going to let it play through because then he makes a comment, a little snide comment, and the audience laughs, okay? So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a 
thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you say so he makes that comment. Probably. So remember, it's people, it's services, and then he says one of these things is going to have to get pretty close to zero, and then the audience starts laughing. So I always wondered because that clip usually is never shown. Okay, it's usually never shown. The next part, what you're about to hear, is the piece that has been widely disseminated. But I thought that was very telling, too. One of these things has to get close to zero, and everyone starts laughing and chuckling about it. And meanwhile, while he's saying that, the formula is up on the screen, and P is highlighted, which is for people. So is he saying... The people are going to have to get close to zero, and everybody's laughing. All these scientists and engineers and technocrats sitting in the audience are laughing about it. All right, let's continue. Population. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Pause. All right. This is the clip. Okay, that has been widely disseminated. Now I'm going to roll that back and we're going to listen to it again. High school algebra, but let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Now uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. Okay, so he says... If we do a really great job with healthcare vaccines and reproductive health services, which is family planning, which is abortion, and I'm sure many of you know that Bill Gates' father was instrumental in uh, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood was founded by Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger was not some sweet lady who wanted to give women the right to choose. She actually helped fabricate a free love movement to get women out there, um, you know, sleeping around, saying that if men could do it, you could do it too, to get them pregnant. And then coupled with the fake feminist movement, which was getting women to fight and compete with men over stupid corporate jobs, they could then say to women, well, the solution to running around and sleeping around is abortion. And so Margaret Sanger, in her own books, had talked about basically eradicating uh, sort of the rats of society, the undesirables, you know, black people and such. So Bill Gates has a father who was involved and instrumental into that in that movement. I, a lot of people have covered that. I'm probably never going to go do that because it's not really important. Uh, it's it's a known it's a known fact. And so let's listen to it one more time. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we can. 
Okay, so new vaccines, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive health services, abortion, right? So vaccines, healthcare, abortion. We can do what, Bill? We could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. We can lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. So this is the quote from 2010 from TED Talks of Bill Gates showing how he's going to innovate us down to zero CO2. And his answer to population is that with new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive health services, aka abortion, he could lower that by 10 to 15%. Now, that's the clip, right, that rings in my ears every single time. I mean, from day one, because I had watched this clip years ago, from day one of COVID Land, the high school theater production, and then the immediate talks of rolling out the mRNA vaccines, I said to myself, has anyone seen this clip of Bill Gates? I remember cutting it. I think at the time I had a decent-sized Twitter account. I put it out there everywhere. Uh, It was being spread around by a lot of people. And so now, as we're hearing about our friends and family getting sick, getting cancer, dying, athletes dropping dead on the field, on the courts out there, you say to yourself, this clip should be playing everywhere. What did Bill Gates mean by this? If we do a really great job with new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive health services, we can lower the population by 10 to 15%. I mean, he said that. It's in his words. You heard it, right? So when we get back for the break, I'll play you the next minute of this because you got the first three minutes, you got the clip, and now you're going to get another minute, and you're going to see he doesn't go back and correct that. He doesn't say, oh, I made a mistake. I didn't mean that. And then I'm going to show you how the fact checkers cover for him and try to rewrite history. And this way, you know the full story. You have it when you're explaining this to your friends and family that are dying, that are getting sick. You can say, well, Bill Gates, who was instrumental in the mRNA vaccines, funded a lot of them. We can get into that on another show, but many of you are well aware of this. Funded a lot of them, pushed it out there, said that if he did a really great job with new vaccines, he could lower the population by 10 to 15%. That's in his own words, folks. And I'll dismantle the fact checkers, and that way you are armed with the real information as we move forward into this technocratic prison planet matrix ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is Payne.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. Yes, you are, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I want to play you another minute of this clip just to see 
If Bill Gates says anything important, if he corrects himself, if he takes back what he said. All right, let's listen to this right now. But there we see an increase of uh, about 1.3. The second factor is the services we use. This encompasses everything. The food we eat, clothing, TV, uh, heating. These are very good things. Uh, Getting rid of poverty means providing these services to almost everyone on the planet. And it's a great thing uh, for this number to go up. In the rich world, perhaps the top one billion, we probably could cut back and use less. But every year, this number on average is going to go up. And so overall, that will more than double the services delivered per person. Here we have a very basic service. Do you have lighting in your house to be able to read your homework? And in fact, these kids don't. So they're going out and reading their schoolwork under the street lamps. Okay, so that's enough to prove the point here. He did not correct what he said. He did not try to take that back. And we could go through the rest of the formula. I've watched this entire speech several times. I'm sure many of uh, you have as well. But let me pull up this right here, because this is what is always referenced by anyone that you bring that clip up to. This is pretty much the first big fact check that went around, and then this is what's spread around, uh, you know, and is part of the lexicon now. So as you talk about Gates and you say, hey, he said that uh, he could lower the population by 10 to 15 percent if they did a really good job with vaccines, health care and uh, reproductive health services. And people will say, no, 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 that's been fact checked. He didn't say that. Well, here's what was spread around. This is PolitiFact.com. And the quote says, Bill Gates talked about using vaccines to control population growth, end quote, in an, quote, unedited 2010 TED Talk video, end quote. And so they have their PolitiFact truth meter says false. And so then this is how they write it up, folks. Bill Gates didn't say he wanted to use vaccines to reduce the population. Well, of course, he didn't say that. You can play semantics. It says, over the years, many claims have misrepresented Bill Gates' views on how expanding access to health care, including vaccines, will lead people to have smaller families. Okay. An October 6 article published on the website Tech Startups added a new claim to the list by alleging that 11 years ago, Bill Gates talked about reducing the population by 10 to 15 percent, quote, using new vaccines for population control, end quote. Quote, Bill Gates talked about using vaccines to control population growth. Here is the unedited 2010 TED Talk video, end quote, the headline said. The post was flagged as part of Facebook's effort to combat false news and misinformation on its news feed. Tech startups, including a YouTube clip of Gates' 2010 TED Talk presentation called, quote, Innovating to Zero, end quote. His presentation focused on lowering carbon dioxide emissions down to zero. In the clip, Gates introduces a mathematical equation to calculate the amount of global emissions and how to lower it. Part of that equation including the size of global population. Quote, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion, quote, Gates said. Quote, now, if we do a really good, great job on new vaccines, health care, and reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent, end quote. 
It says, the full video is 27 minutes and available on the TED Talk website. Gates' comment about the population was a fragment of his speech. He spoke largely about the types of energy and actions that produce CO2 and proposed the solution of energy measures like nuclear, wind, and solar that would reduce carbon dioxide emissions a great deal by 2050. There's 2050. It goes on to say his point about vaccines has been commonly misconstrued as a plot to depopulate the planet. In 2018, PolitiFact debunked a similar claim. Melinda Gates wrote... Uh, Melinda Gates wrote this in the former couple's annual letter. Quote, okay, so eight years later, they write this in a letter. And so now PolitiFact is going to tell you that what he said in 2010, which was pretty clear you heard him, if we do a great job with healthcare, new vaccines, and reproductive health services, we can lower the population by 10 to 15%. I mean, he said that. So now they're going to use something from eight years later that was written in a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation annual letter to try to change what he said eight years earlier. Uh, From the letter, when more children live past age five and when mothers can decide if and when to have children, population sizes don't go up. They go down. Parents have fewer children when they're confident those children will survive in adulthood. Big families are in some ways an insurance policy against the tragic likelihood of losing a son or daughter, end quote. Bill Gates further outlined the idea in a separate video showing a chart that illustrated the inclining growth rate of the world's population and the effect and the effect of improving health care. Quote, what we found is that as health improves, families choose to have less children. And this effect is very, very dramatic. End quote. Gates said, quote, we find that in every country of the world, this is repeated. End quote. Well, see, they're mixing apples and oranges number one number two he's talking about his health improves families choose to have less children well we know that the health system that they're offering us especially after the last two years doesn't necessarily mean that they are allowing families to have healthier children they are in fact killing children and then as melinda gates says in that letter uh when mothers can decide if and when to have children okay meaning the reproductive health services abortion they're going to have less children right so that's what exactly he was talking about population control through health care through new vaccines and through abortion that's what he said so as they say on politifact our ruling a website article claimed that bill gates advocated reducing the global population by using vaccines during a 2010 ted talk gates wasn't talking about reducing the population through vaccination he and his former wife melinda have repeatedly said that child mortality is lowered when families have access to life-saving vaccines and healthcare, allowing families to choose to have fewer children. So we rate this claim false. So you can see right there, folks, how they spun this completely out of context from what Bill Gates said, claiming that other people took it out of context. Now, if this website, um, 
uh, tech startups actually said that Bill Gates said he's going to use vaccines to lower the population, then you could say, well, that's not what he said. You're, you're misquoting him. But what he clearly said was we can do a great job of lowering the population by 10 to 15 percent if we do a great job with health care vaccines and reproductive health services, abortion. He said that. That is exactly what he said. So you could pull clips of things that he may have said later in his life or pull clips of what Melinda Gates is credited with saying in a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation annual newsletter and try to claim this is what Bill Gates meant when he said that in his 2010 lecture to TED Talk. But that's not true. Okay, so you are the one manipulating the facts. You are the one rewriting history. Bill Gates said it. Now we're seeing people getting sick and dying. More information is being admitted to uh, by the government. The fact that mRNA is leaching through breast milk that we had all said was going to happen in the beginning and were called conspiracy theorists. Uh, We're seeing now that they're admitting that women's menstrual cycles are going out of whack due to the vaccine, stuff that many of us said in the very beginning of this, and we're called conspiracy theorists. And eventually they may just admit, yeah, we're killing you. Uh, It's starting to roll out now that they're in the beginning stages of admitting that uh, the vaccine is causing myocarditis and other heart diseases in the young, in the youth. Um, Because this is all supposed to happen. And as Maria Albanese brought up to me a week or so ago, I was talking to her about something I had mentioned in one of the past shows. And she said, if you go back to Spar's Pandemic, which I'm going to do a, like a theatrical reading of that on the show soon, uh, almost like a movie trailer. They actually admit back during these table talk exercises that they were eventually going to get to a point where they were going to start releasing the real information. So Maria said, I already knew this was coming, that they were going to talk about mRNA and breast milk, that they were going to talk about it affecting women's menstrual cycles, because in their table talk exercises it was already written into the script that they were going to start publishing this information a year or two after the big supposed pandemic occurred but what i want you to walk away with there folks is the next time you're bringing up this clip to people you know that it was not taken out of context you should be a hundred percent confident quoting bill gates saying that We could lower the population by 10 to 15% if we do a really good job with new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive health services. Why? Because that is what he said. And anyone who later wants to take other things he said or stuff that may have come out of an annual newsletter eight years later and try to reassign, redefine, and rewrite history of what Bill Gates said, they are in fact lying. They are running cover for him. They are spinning for him. And they are trying to hide the truth. This guy, Bill Gates, was instrumental in mRNA vaccine technology, funded many companies, many research projects, and he was instrumental in pushing this during the beginning phases of COVID Land, the high school theater production. And he has a father who was involved with abortion and eugenics, and he has said openly that they could lower the world's population by 10 to 15%. And remember, remember, before that occurred, he had P up on the screen, which was people,
and he said one of these four things has to get pretty close to zero and the whole audience was chuckling and laughing about that folks and what's the first thing he says after they laugh oh if we do a really great job with new vaccines healthcare, and reproductive health services we can lower the population by 10 to 15 percent so go out there and be confident when you present this information this intelligence this fact-based research to your friends and family and if there's anyone out there if a second wave comes for another booster or a new jab for some other made-up disease that they come up with push your friends and family away from it and try to put this all into context for them and tell them what has already been done and the people behind it literally get up on stage and talk about lowering the population when we get back two pieces i have to cover quickly and then we're going to finish up the mk ultra interview with journalist stephen kinzer ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. Just remember this, folks. Just remember this stuff so you're armed with the intelligence you need to try to save a few lives out there we live in a country and this is just one small example folks where we brought over these nazi scientists under operation paperclip in part to train the most powerful chemist at the cia to use mind control techniques and he was allowed to torture and kill people okay I mean, that's just one tiny thing in our history. And you say to yourself, well, our government wouldn't give us vaccines that would kill us. They were torturing and killing people. Trained by the very Nazis that they claimed that they were going to take down for torturing and killing people. I mean, you live in a country right now where we have audio evidence, documents, commissioned by the Department of Defense and the U.S. Army to develop this Cyborg Soldier 2050 project uh, in partnership with the DARPA Brain Initiative, in which the authors of this paper go on a podcast and talk about how they need to manipulate and brainwash the public into getting on board with this transhumanist future which is the engineering of humanity out of existence. This is the country we live in. So for people who don't believe that our government would jab them up with some death juice or something that's going to connect them up to the Internet of Bodies, eventually the Internet of Everything, I mean, how, I mean, how could you even believe that? The evidence is out there that our government does this. They don't even hide it, folks. And then we fund all the supposed private sector companies and the universities that are studying this stuff, developing it on behalf of the government. And then they let people like Dr. Charles Morgan III, a 10-year intelligence agent at the CIA, 
who's now a professor at University of New Haven and Yale working under government grants, developing technologies to kill people, diseases they could spread around to DNA target and kill people, injecting stem cells into people that are triggered via a sound wave to kill them. I mean, and you don't believe that our government would uh, give people a jab that would do something horrible to them? I mean, you've got to be out of your mind. You're the conspiracy theorist if you believe that our government wouldn't do this, that the private sector partners wouldn't do this. We've done horrible things. We are still doing horrible things that are admitted to right out in the open. So just remember that when you are talking to people. You are in the right. You are armed with the facts. And this is just the stuff that the government admits to. The international governing bodies, these think tanks like World Economic Forum, they trot out Yuval Noah Harari to say that people have no soul, they have no spirit, they have no free will, they are hackable animals, uh, they are going to be useless humans, we will drug them and give them video games to keep them quiet. I mean, they go out and say this stuff. So anyone you're talking to who doesn't believe you or they push back, just let them let them do what they're going to do. Let them get the 15th booster. I mean, maybe at the end of the day, these guys are uh, going to cull society. They Maybe we got lucky. They decided we're the smart ones. The ones who don't get it get to live, folks. This is natural selection. I don't know. It's crazy. But uh, any of these people that you talk to, that just can't understand this, don't waste your time. But the ones who you think you can wake up, try to work on them. I mean, who knows what they're going to roll out next, folks. All right, I want to show you something uh, that a friend over at pain.tv slash gold sent to me. And I'm going to put this in here because I'm not going to have a place to insert this in the upcoming few segments so uh, or the upcoming few episodes. So I want to get this in here now folks they had sent me over a video that had uh, come from ntt research so i quickly just did a little bit of research on uh, ntt and i'll show you that momentarily but you can go over to uh, vimeo.com look up ntt research and there's all sorts of videos now i am not going to have a lot of time in the next couple of weeks to go through this but i just want to put this on your radar because there may be a wealth of technocratic transhumanist stuff going on on this vimeo page uh, let me show you the video that they specifically sent to me because we have talked about mind twinning uh, digital twins here we showed you some world economic forum panel discussion stuff where they talked about the metaverse and they talked about industrial metaverse where they were talking about virtual reality and augmented reality glasses being used in healthcare. they talked about how everything in the industrial metaverse is going to have a digital twin everything in the physical world will be copied into the digital world so thank you very much to the person who sent this to me let me uh, play it for you, folks. Okay, so they got a guy with long hair and a beard. He kind of looks like Keanu Reeves in uh, in uh, what was the the latest Matrix movie, folks. And so he's jogging down a pier right now. 
And then up on the screen, it pops up with a little blinking thing as he's standing there in the sunrise. It says, system alert. Uh, Call Robert. Today's modern medicine is a triumph of technology. Yet most of the digital wizardry tells only two things. What's happening and what happened. Now imagine a world where we could predict what will happen. Okay, so this Keanu Reeves-looking guy runs into his futuristic house, and he sits down, and he's uh, on the computer talking to what looks like a doctor. It'll happen. The system is showing us something interesting in your cardiac profile. We'd like to run some tests. Okay. Is it anything I should be worried about? Or? No, no, no. It's not, nothing bad. We just want, I just want to take a look at a couple of things. NTT Research is working on technology that looks into the future to predict and treat heart ailments before they occur okay so now you're looking at a sort of a b-roll of a 3d model of being inside of like an artery and there's blood platelets and stuff so um, let me just let this play through for you but basically the idea is that this guy is obviously wearing some sort of a monitor or he has some sort of internal device and so he gets an alert while he's jogging that uh he's got to call the hospital so he runs home jumps on his computer and he's talking to his doctor immediately who wants to bring him in for some tests is working on technology that looks into the future to predict and treat heart ailments before they occur we call this the cardiovascular biodigital twin Okay, so now that same doctor is standing uh, in front of like a piece of plexiglass. It looks like Tony Stark in Iron Man where he's got these 3D models of a heart, like like a projection, like a hologram almost, and he's kind of spinning it around and looking at it. All right, let's continue. We call this the cardiovascular biodigital twin. The cardiovascular biodigital twin. Digital twin, digital twin, digital twin. All right, let's continue. This is not science fiction. It's a powerful virtual representation of a patient's physiology. New technologies and new discoveries must be made to fulfill our vision. Okay, so while this is going on, folks, and they're talking about having a digital twin of you, remember, the fourth industrial revolution is the merger of the physical, digital, and biological worlds, okay? So inside your body, the physical world we live in, and then inside of this digital metaverse. And so what they're saying is they're going to create a digital twin of you that monitors your health. And while they're talking... They are showing these blood platelets flying down the artery, but then there's these creepy little green, uh, what look like uh, bugs, robotic bugs with uh, satellites on them inside your bloodstream. So it's like robots in the bloodstream. Remember, tie this back to episodes one through three, Ray Kurzweil, chief engineer at Google, talked openly about for many years he's talked about this the ability to put these nanobots inside our body that can repair our body uh and and that's how they're going to make their biological bodies younger again so now we're looking at it through this company ntt research let's continue new technologies and new discoveries must be made to fulfill our vision New generations of smart sensors, advanced nanotechnology. Okay, so then inside this artery now, they have these sensors 
that are basically like installed on the side of your artery and then these little uh, satellite robots they're like spiders with an upside down umbrella on them they look like something out of the movie the matrix are now clinging to the inside walls of the artery and then touching base with these sensors they're about the size of it looks like a quarter you know glued to the inside of your artery and then these little um, robots fly down and scan them new generations of smart sensors advanced nanotechnologies Microactuators. Together, they'll create virtual representations of cardiovascular systems to your cellular level. Ultimately, right. So now it also shows the umbrella, you know, putting out a like a spike uh, that goes and sticks into your artery. I don't know if they're administering uh, drugs into you or whatever. Let me let me just back this up for a second because now you've got the Keanu Reeves guy sitting. Uh, standing in like the doctor's office in front of the Iron Man screen with the hologram projections and listen to the voice because the guy is talking about how they're basically going to create an entire digital twin of you inside of this cyber world. Microactuators. Together, they'll create virtual representations of cardiovascular systems to your cellular level. Ultimately, these breakthroughs will not only predict and assess cardiovascular disease, but treat it. This is our first step towards... Okay, so now they have like what's the equivalent of like a stint, right? Like the mesh that'll go inside an artery and help open it up. But they're making it look like the robots are inside your body deploying everything in real time. Let's continue. But treat it. This is our first step towards achieving a fully realized biodigital twin. A fully realized biodigital twin. So now they're showing basically a 3D model of a guy in sort of a hologram form. That's um, like a digital twin of a human. Biodigital twin. We foresee a future where we predict and treat disease in the virtual world before it appears in the real one. You're well ahead of this. Right, so now the idea is they're going to identify this stuff in the digital world before inside your digital twin body. Do you understand that? So it's a 3D digital twin of you. They're going to identify these problems before they exist and treat them with their little robots inside of your body uh, before they become a problem. And so the doctor now smiles and he says, oh, we're way ahead of this, man. Hold on, let's get to virtual world before it appears in the real one. You're well ahead of this. You're going to be fine. And that's a worthwhile upgrade to reality. So the, the slogan is NTT Research Upgrade Reality. Folks, I know that was frankly mind-blowing. Absorb that for a moment. When we come back, let me just show you a little bit on NTT Research, and then we're going to jump right back into Sidney Gottlieb, Stephen Kinzer, and MK Ultra. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is 
is the dust and gold standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. All right, so this is quite interesting, to be honest. I mean, this is a rabbit hole that I am not really prepared to uh, go down. But, uh, I mean, I I just don't want to go down it today, folks, because it's a lot of information. But I want to show you, uh, just briefly, just a quick little uh, poke I did on NTT Research. And maybe some of you want to go down this rabbit hole and send me uh, some information. So if you go to ntt research.com this is the website it says world-class scientists world-class facility we've assembled a dream team of experts in their fields to work in three labs at our new facility in silicon valley and then you can learn more about their labs and then it says here with moore's law reaching its limits unsustainable energy consumption privacy concerns on a global scale and the skyrocketing cost of medical care for aging populations ntt research arises at the right time in the right place and so it goes on down here to say uh, they're on a mission to upgrade reality in game-changing ways that improves lives and brightens our global future and they're doing this folks they're building digital twins of people to fight illnesses inside their body with nanoparticles robots and sensors because they love you it has nothing to do with transhumanism the merger of man and machine no not at all they're just putting robots inside your body because they love you and they want to cure you and help you live forever because that's what these creeps in the technocratic transhumanist movement are always about. It's about love, folks. And so if you go over to Wikipedia and you look up NTT Research, that is the Nippon Telegraph and Telephone. The Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Corporation, commonly known as NTT, is a Japanese telecommunications company headquartered in Tokyo, Japan. Ranked 55th in Fortune Global 500, NTT is the fourth largest telecommunications company in the world in terms of revenue, as well as the third largest publicly traded company in Japan after Toyota and Sony as of June 2022. The company is incorporated pursuant to the NTT law, law concerning Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Corporation. The purpose of the company defined by the law is to own all the shares issued by Nippon Telegraph and Telephone East Corporation, NTT East, and Nippon Telegraph and Telephone West Corporation, NTT West, and to ensure proper and stable provision of telecommunications services all over Japan, including remote rural areas by these companies, as well as to conduct research relating to telecommunications technologies that will from the foundation, that will form the foundation Uh, for telecommunications and so it's a japanese company again i'm not going to go into uh, great detail on this folks Uh, but that was a very interesting video as i said you can go over to vimeo and check out all of the other videos that they have posted on this transhumanist technology they're working on one more piece here on the history 
in case you're poking around, it says, established as a state monopoly in August 1952 to take over the Japanese telecommunication system operated by AT&T during the occupation of Japan. All right, it says uh, Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Public Corporation was privatized in 1985 to encourage competition in the country's telecom market. In 1987, NTT made the largest stock offering to date at uh, $36.8 billion. So if you want to poke around here, I suggest you do that, folks. I will eventually get back to it, but uh, I'm going to have to look into who's behind it, who's funding it, what U.S. partners are involved with this, its involvement in the World Economic Forum, how it fits into the whole Fourth Industrial Revolution agenda. But clearly, they are promoting and working on merger of man and machine and the creation of digital twins, which all plays into the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. All right. One other thing I want to bring up here quick, uh, because we're talking about Sidney Gottlieb, the chemist who ran the MKUltra program from the early 1950s through somewhere between the early 60s or early 70s which is uh, unclear, but I have found pretty solid research that it went on to at least 1973. But as you know, I make the case that it never actually ended. It just got rebranded as the DARPA Brain Initiative. It got rebranded as Cyborg Soldier 2050. It got rebranded as some of the new psychedelic programs that we are running today. But someone had pointed this out to me on pain.tv slash gold. And I just want to let you know, I did a little bit of research. Uh, Also, someone sent me a clip of uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, not on the Thomas uh, Paine podcast, which he's been on, uh, I think, once or at least once, maybe twice. Um, But he was on another podcast. I'm not going to play that clip. But in the end, he's talking about how... When Trump was first uh, elected, so it was the office of the uh, transition, basically, he got called up to Trump Tower, Robert Kennedy, and Trump wanted to bring him on board to work on uh, vaccines. And so Robert Kennedy was going to do that. He went out and did a press conference on behalf of Trump and talked about how they were going to open up all of this vaccine data that the government under Fauci had kept secret for quite a while. And so then eventually Trump got a $1 million donation from Pfizer. And then uh, the whole operation with Kennedy was shut down. And the next thing you know, Scott Gottlieb gets put in as the uh, head of the FDA. And so some people had pointed out to me and said, any connection to Sidney Gottlieb? And then I did a little bit of research, and people have posted that on Facebook over the years, but with no proof and no evidence whatsoever. So just so you know, um, Scott Gottlieb, born in 1972, is an American physician and investor who served as the 23rd commissioner of the FDA the Food and Drug Administration, from May 27 to April 2019. He is presently a senior fellow at the conservative think tank, the American Enterprise Institute, a partner at the venture capital firm New Enterprise Associates, and a member of the board of directors of drug maker Pfizer, a member of the board directors of Illumina Inc., a contributor to the cable 
Financial News Network, CNBC, and a frequent guest on the CBS News program, Face the Nation. An elected member of the National Academy of Medicine, Gottlieb is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Uncontrolled Spread on the COVID-19 Pandemic and the National Security Vulnerabilities that it revealed. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, Again, I poked around quickly to see if I could verify any connection to Sidney Gottlieb. Now, Sidney Gottlieb was born in 1918. He died in 1999. And in his obituary, it said that he had four kids, two girls and two boys. All right. So Scott Gottlieb, the FDA guy here that Trump put into place with connections, uh, sits on the board of Pfizer. Scott Gottlieb's father is Stanley, Dr. Stanley Gottlieb, uh, who I believe is 83 years old today, born in 1939. And so Stanley was not the son of Sidney Gottlieb based on Sidney's um, obituary and who his children were. So as of right now, I could find no direct connection. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I mean, it could be his great uncle or something like that. But um, Sydney had so Stanley uh, Scott's father. I can't find connected into Sydney. Now Sydney had a brother, I believe, named David. Gottlieb, who was some kind of credited biologist who discovered a few different things in the science community. And so Stan, uh, David wasn't famous enough to have any bio written on him. So I can't find out if he had any kids. But if he had any kids and one was Stanley, then maybe Scott Gottlieb's dad is the son of Sidney's brother. I mean, when you go look up at the Gottliebs, there's all these Gottliebs in uh, science and engineering and all this Frankenstein technology out there. So I wouldn't doubt there's some connection. Does it really matter? I don't think so, folks. I mean, I could spend, you know, probably 10 hours and looking on Ancestry.com and everything else and be able to piece all this together. Uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, so what? If this Scott Gottlieb's great uncle or something was Sidney Gottlieb, I mean, I guess it would be cool that we could say that. But at the end of the day, I mean, does it really help advance, you know, what we're working on over here? So if you guys want to poke around, feel free to do so with the information I just provided to you. All right. So we got Soros out of the way i really needed to show you that the mentality of someone who grew up helping uh, point out jews confiscate property and um, basically how he's a psychopath and then i connect that over to this has to be the same mentality of someone like Sidney gottlieb and then you have bill gates i wanted to point that out based on the personal story i had of a 13 year old who now has this rare disease that could develop into myocarditis. And then we got into the digital twins from NTT Research, which I think is important because uh, it opens up a whole new area of research for us and for you guys if you want to start to go down that road. All right, now we are going to continue back here with the NPR podcast featuring 
journalist Stephen Kinzer, who is known as the foremost expert on MKUltra. That's pretty much how he's branded. He is the official narrative on MKUltra. So as you know, with the last episode we reviewed this, I think it was episode 54, I had to keep calling out Kinzer for running cover for the CIA and for the state, basically kind of pinning the whole MKUltra mind control program on Sidney Gottlieb. Now, do I believe Sidney Gottlieb was an evil, horrible person? Oh, yeah, definitely. But he was answering, remember, to Richard Helms, who later became the CIA director, and to Alan Dulles, who was the CIA director at the time. So Sidney Gottlieb had a license to kill, to murder, to torture on behalf of the government and was trained by the very Nazis and Japanese torturers that we were supposedly putting out of business, but actually brought back here to train people like Sidney Gottlieb and to run programs and departments on behalf of the United States government. And then you ask yourself, how the hell we're doing Cyborg Soldier? How are we doing DARPA Brain Initiative? How are we funding all these private sector, you know, Neuralink brain chip companies and stuff like that? Well, I mean, how are we doing it? We brought the very people that we claim to be taking down, the very Frankenstein doctors that we claim to be... Um, that we claim to be wiping off the face of the earth. No, we just gobbled them up and we absorbed them into our network. Consolidation and monopolization of Frankenstein technology. All right, folks, when we get back, we jump right into that podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, this is pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, folks. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to jump back into this podcast here featuring journalist Stephen Kinzer. And I'm going to pick up right where we left off, folks. All right, here we go. Could imagine. You know, one of the uses Gottlieb envisioned for LSD was you could slip it to an unfriendly world leader and their behavior would be so erratic and weird that they'd lose popularity or they'd be thrown out of office because they would appear to not be able to function normally anymore. You're right. So Gottlieb was the chief CIA chemist. In that capacity, he was also the chief poison maker. So he made the poisons to kill Zhou Enlai, Fidel Castro, Patrice Lumumba. But he wasn't only involved in making poisons to kill people. He was also interested in making toxins that would affect their behavior in various ways. Uh, he made a list of the ways you thought uh, he thought drugs could be used to affect behavior. Could uh, you find 
a drug that would alter a personality structure in a way that would allow the operator to take control of another person's behavior? Could you produce shock and confusion or physical disablement? At one point, he came up with the idea of using a spray can full of LSD to... Uh, pollute the studio in which Fidel Castro was going to give a radio speech. And then presumably Castro would become disoriented and, as you say, lose popularity and fall from power. No, no, no. Hold on for a moment, folks. Hold on there. Because when you look at what Sidney Gottlieb was supposedly doing, let's say <clears throat> developing these drugs to kill people, or developing drugs that could be sprayed into a room to then make them, let's say in the case of Fidel Castro, act crazy during an interview to then turn his base against him or the people of his country against him. Make him seem like, I don't know, he's Joe Biden and he's just a doddering old fool. And then turn his population, his country against him to help drive him out of political power. Would you look at that kind of stuff, right? What is the difference between the technologies that Dr. Charles Morgan III, reviewing in 2018 in front of the West Point Academy cadets and uh, faculty, talked about? The ability to develop a disease that could kill one person targeted off of their DNA or a shot they can give you with a pre-programmed stem cell that will store wherever they tell it to and then could be triggered by a sound wave and will later kill you. For instance, if it's programmed to spread you know, heart disease or lung cancer, whatever it may be. What is the difference between Dr. Charles Morgan when he sits there and giggles in front of the faculty and the cadets at West Point Academy and says, this stuff is really fun, isn't it? This stuff is really awesome, isn't it? Think about how you could use these for military and intelligence applications. I mean, what is the difference? What is the difference between Sidney Gottlieb and doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Dulius who helped co-author Cyborg Soldier 2050 and come up with all of these ways that they can manipulate certain people into allowing them to run Frankenstein technology experiments on them, figuring out how to... Uh, tap into the mind of soldiers and give people superpowers. I mean, do you understand it never ended? It never ended. So these few little stories in our history, just these little blemishes on the record of the United States, they are not standalone events and they never actually ended. All right, let's continue. This is the level of bizarre plots that he became involved with when he was hired uh, as part of a separate aspect of his job besides MKUltra to be the person who devised toxins and psychoactive substances to be used in covert operations by CIA officers around the world. So this is just a little sidebar that I found very interesting as somebody who listens to a lot of jazz. The people who Sidney Gottlieb hired included George Hunter White, who directed a lot of the MK Ultra experiments, and he had been a narcotics agent and led the Narcotics Bureau's campaign against jazz in New York City. He spied on musicians and entrapped them, including Billie Holiday. 
And Billie Holiday being busted was a turning point in her career because she couldn't get a cabaret license. There were places she couldn't perform in. It was it was a really tragic thing for her. And that's this guy. George Hunter White was one of the key operatives of MK Ultra, and he stands out even in this extremely bizarre MK Ultra cast of Nazi doctors and torturers and obsessed chemists. So George Hunter White, as you say, uh, was a narcotics agent in. I know it's funny, you know, because he turns this into. I'm talking about Stephen Kinzer here, the foremost expert on MK Ultra. He turns this into almost like a true crime novel or something and then acts as if just this bizarre collection of nazi doctors and japanese torturers and obsessed chemists you know we're just running around like mavericks uh with a license to kill from the state and the cia but as if it's just this standalone event it was just some you know blip in the radar over a 10 to 20 year period in the history of the united states when in fact it's all going on today i mean you know that it's going on today we've proven that it's going on today all right let's continue new york but he was the kind of narcotics agent who not only lived at the edge of the law he, he crossed over a lot he used all the substances that he confiscated from people his his use of alcohol and narcotics was legendary but he was also uh, a cop who did pursue jazz figures including Billie holiday he had a special dislike for her because he said uh, the way that she flaunted her furs and her uh, big cars was offensive to him wow um in the early 1950s, Gottlieb hired this guy, George Hunter White, to run a safe house for him in New York City to which people would be lured off the street and then given LSD so a CIA officers could watch them from an adjoining apartment through a one-way mirror. Later, White was moved to San Francisco where he set up one of the craziest MK Ultra projects that was known inside the agency as Operation Midnight Climax. This was an operation in which uh, White would assemble a stable of prostitutes who would bring their men back to an apartment that the CIA hired and furnished, feed them LSD, and George Hunter Wright would sit in an adjoining apartment, uh, sitting on a portable toilet, drinking pitchers of martinis while watching people having sex under the influence of LSD with the vague idea that this was somehow going to help the United States defeat communism. Okay, now listen, if you believe that, if you truly believe that our government was doing all of this because they, in fact, believe this was going to be the secret. Remember, they said earlier that this idea of mind control was the holy grail. They believed that this was the secret to global world power, the ability to control people's minds. So if you believe that this was about uh, defeating communism, uh, when look what we are today. Uh, once we enter into a, a full-blown technocracy, it is communism, essentially, folks. The control of the distribution and manufacturing of goods. And so, this is just, it's such BS to believe that we were running all these secret programs to study the effects of LSD so that we could develop the secrets to defeating the communists. 
first off, if this was totally legit and the government really wanted to run studies on this, they could have just set up real trials at Fort Detrick or any of these other bases, and they could have got people to wittingly agree to this to be part of experiments. Instead, they're running around with all these secret agents, dirty cops, setting up prison torture camps in Europe and East Asia, setting up fake foundations and funneling the LSD through the universities, the institutions, and the prisons, and running experiments on people who did not agree to be part of said experiments, right? So what were they really doing, folks? This was the beginning of mind control. I believe this was their goal, was mind control, but not mind control to end up defeating the communists or poisoning Fidel Castro. This is the mind control that was going to later be used in part on the world's population, including us. And also, this is the beginning, this is the foundation of taking the Nazi technologies, importing them here into the United States, and then running these programs that would later lead to what is now the transhumanist movement and the merger of man and machine, and the ability to upload a mind, download a mind, write onto the mind, uh, extract memories, extract thoughts, extract knowledge, Everything that we're actually seeing Elon Musk talk about openly when he goes on the Joe Rogan experience or he does his press gaggles on the Neuralink brain chip. This is sort of the um, public version of the government technology. So it's how they utilize Elon Musk to popularize this stuff, desensitize people to it. In fact, even make it cool and hip to the younger folks. So this is what you're looking at. This is the foundation. This is the initial original research that went into what later becomes this transhumanist movement we're seeing alive and well Today, All right, let's continue. So these were the kind of people that uh, naturally gravitate to a project like this one. When the men were having sex with prostitutes and were unknowingly given doses of LSD, weren't they then asked questions to see what their answers would be like under LSD? Exactly. So White and the people who worked with him would prep these prostitutes and they would say, we want to find out under what circumstances, under what combination of sex and drugs, uh, men would be most likely to reveal secrets. So we want you to stay with the guy after the thing is over and talk to him and try to draw him out about his work and ask him, for example, you know, that plane you've been working on. So how high does it fly, really? And the idea was to try to draw out information and to see whether uh, drugs could make people talk. And of course, they found out things that are very obvious, that people will talk, men will talk after sex. And the people who were observing these experiments, like George Hunter White, had no background in psychology or anything that would allow them to assess these situations in a clinical way. Everything was very slapdash and haphazard. So not surprisingly, no serious results ever came out of this, except the fact that we can now sit here and talk about the fact that our tax dollars were used to to pay for a bordello run by the CIA in San Francisco to which unwitting men were brought fed LSD and used as experiments uh, in Sidney Gottlieb's campaign to try to figure out how to penetrate the human mind so it could be controlled in the interests of the United States government and its covert projects around the world. 
Unbelievable, folks. Unbelievable. that This is, it's not just about that our tax dollars were used for this. The fact that this man, that Sidney Gottlieb, this monster, was allowed to run free. He had free reign to draw men into a whorehouse and load them up with drugs in an attempt to break their mind. This is the government, the very government that people will tell you loves us, Uh, they're giving us these vaccines because they love us, they're protecting us from COVID, they're putting up plexiglass and stickers on the floor and making us stand six feet apart from each other, wear masks strapped to our face because they love us, ladies and gentlemen. And they are working on attaching bionic limbs and putting brain chips inside of our heads and probably working in partnership with NTT Research if we just dig for another 20 minutes we'll find that to put robots inside of our bodies because they love us oh really so did they love us when they were drugging and torturing and killing people did they love us then would you say that was all done out of love out of love ladies and gentlemen i don't know think about that for a moment we'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold. Of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's jump right back into this. I'm trying to wrap this up because I need to get into some important stuff to show you. Some of the psychedelic stuff that is going on today. Just to show you, if you want to just look at MK Ultra as LSD psychedelic mind control experiments, you can see with what's happening today that it never actually ended. I mean, and you can make the case that this leads to DARPA Brain Initiative, this leads into Cyborg Soldier, and many other programs that we haven't even reviewed here. But the psychedelic experiments are coming back alive and well, and they are about to try to legalize psychedelics to the entire country uh, and sell them out of the government pot shops. So you'd say, well, did they finally figure out how to mind control people at a mass scale? And so they're going to sell them at the pot shops and have Joe Rogan um, propagandize your children into using government psychedelics that were developed by this monster, Sidney Gottlieb, in cooperation with Nazis and Japanese torturers. I mean, take that story home and tell that to your kids and grandkids i mean we talk about nazis all the time tell them the nazis are the one who developed this stuff our government is in partnership with the nazis it started back in 1947 maybe even before that but 1947 is the official story of when we brought them back here under operation paperclip and then we started developing you know lsd and psychedelics to break people's minds i mean if that doesn't wake people up i don't know what else will I mean, where else can you go with this stuff? All right, let's continue. So Sidney Gottlieb's MK Ultra program was ended in the early 1960s. Why was it ended? 
after all the experiments that led to deaths in unknown numbers around Europe and Asia and led to unknown torments across the United States, Gottlieb, who was in the end a scientist, was forced to reach the conclusion that he had failed. Mind control, he finally came to conclude, is a myth. It was fed by fantasies from fiction that these people had imbibed at a young age. But once you got to see if you could transfer those fantasies from the realm of fiction to the realm of reality, they broke down. So Gottlieb finally had to admit uh, he never could find a way to control human minds. And what skeptics had said at the beginning, which is that you cannot program a person to do something that he or she is basically and deeply and morally opposed to doing and make them go out and do it. He had to waste unknown numbers of lives in order to reach a conclusion uh, that should have been clear from the beginning. Okay, so what's interesting, though, and we'll see if he talks about it, Stephen Kinzer, okay, basically says what Sydney was forced to realize was that they could not break someone's mind, and they could not force someone to do something against their will, against their moral, morals, against their values. Not true. That's not true. I mean, Dr. Charles Morgan III in 2018 in front of the West Point Academy uh, cadets and faculty told us about how they could write stuff into our heads while we're sleeping, how they can uh, program memories into your brain, how they can erase memories from your brain, how they could... Uh, literally get to the point of the matrix where they are going to be able to write programs inside of your head. That they could actually train you, as I just mentioned, train you while you're sleeping and then test you on that knowledge while you're sleeping without you ever knowing that that is happening. That they could basically write code into your head via sound waves. So, if uh, Kinzer does not ever, and I've done some research and I haven't found it, if you do, let me know, mention what the government is doing today, what they admit to doing today, what they are researching and developing today, then his purpose was to be a disinformation agent in the sense that he releases the real story about Gottlieb, but his job is to make it seem like it all ended with Gottlieb in the early 60s. And as again, I'll say, I've, I've heard that it went on as long as uh, into the early 70s. Um, that doesn't really matter that much because I'm making the case that it never actually ended. And this became the basis of the research for all the programs that we've been investigating here. Let's continue. So what did he do after the MK Ultra program was ended? Because he stayed in the CIA. Gottlieb had a long career after uh, MKUltra ended, and he went on to become the head of the technical services staff, which is the part of the CIA where they make the tools, uh, the gizmos, the gadgets that spies use. So if you remember Q from those James Bond movies, that was Gottlieb. And he Not Q and non, folks. This is Q from James Bond. He spent uh, years uh, at the head of that operation, and he made an astonishing variety of covert tools from all those things you see on TV, like 
cameras that you can fit inside a cigarette lighter or a tie clip, all the way to more bizarre things like uh, a rubber boat, a car with a secret compartment to smuggle agents out of foreign countries, a compressor for foreign currency so you could pack a huge amount of it into a small container, and even a jailbreak kit that could be contained in a rectal suppository. He invented a hyper... Can you explain that? Because I can't envision that exactly. Uh, yeah, can you explain that one uh, there, uh, Mr. Kinzer, the uh, rectal suppository jailbreak kit? <laughs> he had a series of tiny tools that would have knives and other uh, devices that would allow you to break through solid walls, all miniaturized. This was just a piece of his genius. He invented a hyper-thin, a hypodermic needle so that you could poison a bottle of wine through the cork without leaving any trace in the cork. His imagination was just as fertile when he was inventing spy tools for CIA officers as it had been earlier when he was trying to devise ways of finding mind control techniques. You describe him as the poisoner in chief, and that's not just about the LSD experiments. He actually created and found ways to administer poison. Describe that part of his job. As the chief CIA chemist, it was logical that Gottlieb be consulted whenever the CIA needed a poison or a toxin. And this became part of his work uh, during the late 1950s and into 1960. Now, now, remember, though, I, I just always want to connect the past in with the current, all right? So just as they're talking about this, remember what Dr. Dr. Charles Morgan III uh, talked about, all right? And I brought it up a couple times here, but this is highly important, and I'm not trying to desensitize this to you. I want you to just grasp how barbaric this stuff is that we are doing. The ability to stick someone with a stem cell, right, that is programmed to go anywhere in the body, and then they could trigger the stem cell to do whatever it's programmed to do via a sound wave. All right, or the disease they could make to kill and target one person or a group of people based on DNA profiles. So what Gottlieb was doing was the foundation to the stuff that we're doing today. Let's continue. In the mid-50s, the United States set out on a project to kill Prime Minister Zhou Enlai of China while he was visiting Indonesia. Gottlieb actually made a potion that was supposed to be put in a uh, rice bowl that uh, Zhou Enlai would eat from. And actually, this poison was only going to work after uh, a day or two. The idea was that Zhou would be back in China and the poison wouldn't be able to be traced back to the CIA. Later on, when... the Right, 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 right. There we go. So take that concept, maybe not the, uh, the chemistry, but the concept, and then attach that to what I just mentioned that Dr. Charles Morgan III talked about with the delayed reaction of the stem cell injection. And as he said, it could be injected into you uh, put into your bloodstream, and then it will be programmed to go anywhere, let's say, into your brain, and then they could let it be delayed for as long as they want, and they trigger it with a certain sound wave, and then it all of a sudden sets off brain cancer three years from now, and you die of brain cancer. 
Now, don't just think about using this stuff on supposed foreign leaders that we want to get out of the way. Think about the ability to use this stuff on the population, folks. Think about using this stuff on a sector of America. Think about using this on a sector of the world population. Think about the ability to have a delayed reaction inside of a rice bowl that the Chinese premier was going to eat, and it was going to delay two days so that he died back when he was home. I don't know if you guys watch Breaking Bad, but there's a part of that TV show where Walter White comes up with this idea to create ricin, and they're going to use ricin to poison Tuco, who's like the rival gang boss. They're doing deals with him, but he's gone crazy. They think he's going to kill him, so they're going to poison him with ricin. And Walter tells Jesse Pinkman, his partner, that it's going to be delayed a couple of days, and no one will ever know. And in autopsies, a lot of times it comes back um, as natural causes, or you're not going to be able to find the ricin. So Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA monster, trained by the Nazis and the Japanese torturers, was creating this delayed reaction poison to put in the rice bowl of this Chinese premier. Then you go fast forward into Dr. Charles Morgan talking about the more advanced technology, the ability to stick somebody with this stem cell that could have a delayed reaction, and actually they could trigger it with a sound wave. And then fast forward uh, into what I just showed you today, but actually this was a conversation that occurred eight years before Charles Morgan's speech in 2018 of Bill Gates saying that if they're successful with healthcare, new vaccines, and the reproductive health services, that they could lower the population by 10 to 15%. So what could be in those vaccines? What could be in the jabs? What could be in the boosters? What could be at the end of the Q-tips that people are shoving up their nose when they're doing testing at the local pharmacy or in the parking lot of a high school or when they're doing them at home with the home testing kits. Think about all the ways that the government, these people that were developing these LSD mind control experiments and the ability to kill people with delayed reactions, think about all the things they could do to you. Ask yourself when you go home tonight or if you're sitting there listening to this at night, does the government love me? Would they ever use these technologies that they've been developing for many, many, many years? Go back to the beginning of Gottlieb. You're talking 75 years ago. Would they ever use these technologies against their own people? And if you say no, they wouldn't, then remember that Gottlieb was luring people, men, Americans, into whorehouses and unwittingly jacking them up with lsd to try to break their minds remember that we had set up foundations 
under false premises here in the United States to funnel LSD into universities, prisons, and institutions to drug people in an attempt to blast their minds away, in an attempt to gain global power by controlling the minds of all at the hands of the same doctor the same chemist who had carte blanche to murder and kill people, to torture people in hidden torture chambers in Europe and East Asia. That is the man who also developed the techniques to murder people, stuff he found out from the Nazis and Japanese torturers. And then ask yourself, do I trust my government? Do I trust the mad scientists that are extensions of the government like Bill Gates? Do I trust any of these people? And should I put anything that they offer me into my body, whether that be pills, whether that be needles, or whether that be anything else? Because the answer for me is no. I do not trust them. I know they do not love me. And I will never take anything that these people offer me. Because Halloween is quickly approaching. And when I was a kid, we learned about stranger danger. And we were told to check our little mini candy bars to make sure no creep inserted needles or razor blades or poison into them before we ate them and maybe when i was a kid the teachers didn't even know this the parents didn't even know this but maybe the creep that we were supposed to be looking out for maybe the stranger danger the guy who was going to put the needles and the razor blades and the poison into the candies that we were supposed to be afraid of boogeyman the guy living under your bed. Maybe that, folks, was Dr. Sidney Gottlieb. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back tomorrow, we're going to finish up this interview, and I'm going to show you all of the psychedelic programs that are going on today in the government, and then we're going to work our way back to the two ethics gentlemen in charge of ethics of the Cyborg Soldier 2050 project because you need to hear what they were talking about in 2020 to understand exactly where we are today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.